0: Today, The Matt Walsh Show. After the media spent days blaming me and other conservatives for the gay club shooting in Colorado, we are now being told that the shooter is a non binary they them. Interesting. Also, the Daily Coast is uh, forced to retract an egregious lie they told about me. It is possible, apparently, to hold these left-wing organizations accountable, which is a lesson that we on the right need to learn. Plus, Joy Reid airs footage from a drag queen story hour, hoping to prove that the events are actually appropriate for children, but instead proving the opposite. A woman blames Universal Studio for the fact that she was too fat to fit on the roller coasters. And finally, someone very close to me must be canceled in today's tragic Daily Cancellation. All of that, And more today on The Matt Walsh Show. I've spent this whole week hearing about how I am responsible for a mass shooting in Colorado. This always seemed strange to me as I never committed any mass shooting and I wasn't even in Colorado on the night in question. So my alibi checks out but I am responsible anyway, they said, because I inspired the psycho who walked into a gay club on Saturday and killed five people. I inspired him, so did Chris Ruffo and Tucker Carlson and Libs of TikTok and others. We inspired him specifically by being too openly opposed to the sexualization and castration of children. And such a view apparently inspires murderous rage in people. Now, As I've argued over the last few days, this accusation, which has been made against us by every major media outlet and by thousands of random leftist ogres online, is absurd and inane and baseless and designed to blackmail us into accepting the left's abuse of children. That, and it's also an accusation being made in spite of the fact that we hadn't yet been told anything specific about the shooter or his actual motivations. There was a conspicuous gap in the story. Now, most of the time after a mass shooting, we know the shooter's whole life story within like 30 minutes. His social media posts begin circulating and everything else. And this is especially the case if the shooter is right wing. If that's the case, then we hear all about his right wing posts, his right wing statements, his manifesto is published and picked over. We'll know which right wing media personalities he followed on Twitter or retweeted. We will know all of that. And yet in this case, even though the media insisted that the shooter is a right-wing radical inspired by dastardly conservative figures like myself, strangely enough, we were never given any specific information to support that claim. This in spite of the fact that he had been taken alive and has been interviewed by investigators. Even still, we were never told anything about his own stated motives or anything else about his actual life. The only things we knew for sure were some background details, such as the fact that this guy, uh, the same guy was arrested for threatening to blow up his house last year. We also knew that his grandfather was an obscure, low-level Republican politician, a fact which is supposed to prove something, but which of course proves nothing, as it's not exactly unheard of that a member of Gen Z might have different politics from his grandfather. It also came to light that the shooter's mother is a drug addict and criminal with multiple warrants for her arrest. And his estranged father is a former MMA fighter and drug smuggler who became a porn star who goes by the stage name Dick Delaware. So what was emerging was a picture of a deranged, demented young man from a broken home and a tumultuous upbringing who lashed out violently in a way that can be partially blamed on many exigent factors, all having to do with the way he was raised and none having to do with this podcast or a libs of TikTok tweet. But then last night, another detail emerged, a detail that may explain why we have heard surprisingly little about the shooter up until now. Despite the shooter being portrayed as an avowed right-winger inspired by conservatives, according to the media, we have not actually been given any evidence, any evidence at all, to support that assertion. And now perhaps we know why. The Denver Post reports, quote, The person suspected of killing five and wounding 18 after opening fire in a gay nightclub in Colorado Springs is non-binary, their defense attorney wrote in court filings Tuesday. Joseph Arkenbald and uh, Michael Bowman, the state public defenders for suspect Anderson Lee Aldrich, filed a slew of motions Tuesday and included a footnote about Aldrich's identity. Quote, Anderson Aldrich is non-binary, the footnote says. They use they, them pronouns, and for the purposes of all formal filings will be addressed as Mix Aldrich, M-X Aldrich. And there it is. A non-binary they-them with a porn star father. Not exactly my target audience. Now, why would someone who identifies that way attack a gay bar? Well, for many reasons, potentially. It's not at all unheard of for a member of the LGBT community to attack their own community. In fact, it just happened elsewhere in the country this week. In New York City, it was revealed that the culprit who had been smashing windows on a gay bar in Hell's Kitchen is a gay man with some kind of personal grudge against the bar. Of course, the media in that case also assumed right away that this is a right-wing hate attack. Now well, it was a gay guy. Could that be the case in Colorado Springs? Maybe. Could it be that this guy was spurned or rejected by somebody at the club and was lashing out for that reason? Again, maybe. It's quite plausible. I don't know. Could he have some other personal reason? Maybe. We don't know. We may never know. And because not only the media, but local law enforcement and the attorney general of the state have all gone on the record predicting that this was a right-wing crime, It seems likely to me that they'll find a way to force that motivation onto this guy, whether it's true or not. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear in the next few days that he has uh, recanted his non-binary status after some, shall we say, persuasion from the powers that be. Wouldn't surprise me. Meanwhile, the corporate media is fumbling around for a way to handle this new revelation. On CNN last night, the stunned and nearly speechless news anchor simply decided that she wasn't going to accept the revelation at all. That's how she's handling it. She's just not going to accept it. Uh, And let's watch that moment.
1: So attorneys for the accused
0: shooter, Anderson Lee Aldrich, say in new court filings tonight that the suspect now identifies as non-binary. In a footnote to a motion asserting legal privileges, the public defenders say, quote, Anderson Aldrich is non-binary. They use they, them pronouns. And for the purposes of all formal filings will be addressed as mix aldrich so in other words not mr or ms joining me now cnn political commentator errol lewis also back with me al franken and joe walsh i don't know what to say about that i mean that's not anything that we had heard from his background you know people have been looking into his background and uh, i don't know if anybody here are you guys lawyers I no. mean, you know, I don't know if the, I, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, th- that's it, what he's now saying. It, it sounds like they're trying to prepare a defense against a hate crimes charge. That's the least of his problems, legally speaking. But it, it looks like they're trying to build some kind of sympathy or at least confusion on the question of whether or not this was purely motivated by hate. Such a, I mean, that is what it sounds like. We'll wait to see. Hmm. Listen to all the misgendering. Shameful. Now, it's possible that the shooter did in fact discover his inner non-binary truth as a convenient way of trying to avoid hate crime charges. That's a possible scenario. Though there are plenty of reasons to doubt such a theory, beginning with the fact that a person who commits a violent hate crime is not likely to assume the identity of the group he hates. I mean, was the last time you heard about an anti-Semitic shooter killing Jewish people and then converting to Judaism to avoid the hate crime charge two days later? Part of the point of the crime in a case like that is to make a statement. That's why a lot of times there's a manifesto that goes along with it. It's difficult to make the statement when you're immediately identifying yourself with the group that you slaughtered. Also, avoiding the hate crime charge offers no benefit. The killer is going to spend the rest of his life in prison no matter what, whether convicted of a hate crime or convicted simply of five counts of regular old first-degree murder. It doesn't benefit from it. You're going to prison for the rest of your life. And there's no other option because in Colorado they don't have the death penalty. But this is all essentially irrelevant. The point is that, first of all, first of all, the left has no right to deny anyone's self-identity. That is the rule they established, and they must be held to it. These same people would insist that Even when a male sex offender suddenly comes out as a woman while in prison, we may not even speculate about the possibility that his trans awakening might have been motivated by a desire to gain access to female inmates. And when a man identifies as a woman and next thing you know he's disrobing in a woman's locker room, we may not even speculate that his trans identification is fueled at least in part by his desire to gain access to naked women. There are many self-serving reasons why a person might call themselves trans or non-binary. What we know for sure is that they aren't calling themselves trans or non-binary because they actually are trans or non-binary, since no such category exists in biological reality. It is a made-up, invented, human-made category. So there's always going to be some other reason, be it mental illness or something more calculated and self-serving. I know that, and you know that. But the left denies everything I just said, which means that they have no basis for refusing to respect the shooter's non-binary identity. As far as their ideology is concerned, if he says he's a they, then he's a they, and that's all there is to it. That is their belief. That's the precedent that they on the left have set, and we will for damn certain force them to live by it. Anytime you hear someone on the left say, well, maybe you're not allowed to do that. You are not allowed to do that. You you do not have the right to do it. You can't. Because according to you, the only thing necessary to prove that someone is non-binary is for them to say that they are non-binary. That's it. No other evidence required. No counter evidence is allowed to be admitted. So if you're on the left, you're stuck. Again, you set the precedent. You have to respect his identity. I don't. I don't have to respect it, and I don't. I don't respect anything about this guy. But you do, because these are your rules. So take your own medicine and choke on it. Second point, whatever else comes out about this guy, sorry, this um, them, we already know enough to know that the media jumped to wild and baseless conclusions. They did it without evidence, and in spite of the evidence that was already known, and they did it so quickly and so furiously, precisely so that they could set the narrative before the truth, whatever the truth, ha- truth happens to be, comes out. They never cared about the victims. They are happy that those people were killed. This is what you have to understand about the media if you don't yet. They are happy that it happened. Their only regret is that Moore didn't die to make this an even bigger story. Because to the scurrying, scurrying, gulking little roaches in the media. The only thing that matters is that this event gives them an opportunity to slander and defame their enemies, like me, like Tucker Carlson, like Live to TikTok, Chris Rufo, Candace Owens, Ben Shapiro, and others. It's all that matters to them. We're all owed apologies. I mean, whatever else happens next, we are owed apologies. But of course, we'll never get them. We'll have to be satisfied with the simple knowledge that those who seek always to destroy us with lies and libel are nothing but soulless charlatans and bloodthirsty sociopaths who can barely contain their orgasmic glee whenever there's a tragedy because it gives them ratings and it gives them political ammunition and those two things are the only two things they care about in this world. I consider it a great honor to be hated so much by such loathsome, disgusting trolls as these. And I take solace in the knowledge that they have nuked their own credibility, so that at this point their lies can only convince a sad and dwindling collection of the dumbest and most gullible idiots to ever walk the face of the earth. All the rest of us are impervious to their propaganda. That's why the the corporate media is dying and will eventually be dead. And when it's finally dead, we will dance joyfully on its grave, the way they dance on the graves of mass shooting victims. The only difference is that they will deserve the desecration. Now let's get to our five headlines. If we're gonna change the culture, we need to reassess our spending habits and start supporting like-minded companies. That's why you need to switch to the pro-life, pro-family cell phone company, Charity Mobile. Charity Mobile has the same great nationwide mobile phone service and coverage as other carriers. And they send 5% of your monthly plan price to the pro-life, pro-family charity of your choice. You don't have to compromise on value or service. Charity Mobile offers the latest phones and tablets and live customer service based right here in the USA. While many other companies are bowing to the woke mob by Donating to pro-choice causes and candidates or reimbursing their employees' travel expenses so that if they live and work in a pro-life state, they can travel to a pro-abortion state, get an abortion, and be back at work on Monday. While they're doing that, Charity Mobile continues to fight for the right to life. Pro-life causes need your continued support. Now... Through the end of the year, Charity Mobile customers get a free phone, free activation, free shipping, and free portable battery charger while supplies last. All you got to do is mention Offer Code Walsh. Call one 474 3662 or chat with them online at charitymobile.com. Mention Offer Code Walsh. That's charitymobile.com. Mention Code Walsh. Of course, talking about the lies from the media, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention none were more egregious, as I mentioned briefly yesterday, than the Daily Coast, which uh, published a headline yesterday. Quoting me as saying that I wish more people were killed at the gay club. quote they put it in quotes. They put it in, in Matt Walsh quote, and they put that in quotes, that I wish more people were killed. Uh, of course, I never said that or anything close to that. But leftist propaganda rags like the Daily coast they have grown accustomed to just sort of casually defaming conservatives with no consequence. Because that's the world they've been living in for years. They can just do whatever they want and say whatever they want. And there is no consequence because nobody ever holds them to anything, to any kind of standard. I mean, conservatives have complained about it. No one holds them to a standard. But then there was never any attempt to make them abide by any standard. But that world is gone. Okay, those days are over. Because I'm not going to tolerate it, I can tell you that. So I demanded a published Published retraction and correction. They did when I first pointed this out. uh, They pretty quickly took the article down. They just deleted it. And 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 uh, they were hoping that would be enough. But then I responded by saying, No, no, no. You can't just delete it. Okay. You need to retract it. And you need to publish your retraction and admit what you did. Um. And uh, about an hour or so later, they did that. They published, uh, they, they took the, the headline down. They put the article back up without the headline. Instead, it, now it says retracted. And then they have this note at the top. In a previous headline for this article, we misattributed a quote to Matt Walsh. We regret not properly quoting Walsh's tweet. This article is in direct violation of our editorial policy, and we have removed it. Now, I must say that I do find it quite pleasurable to think about how painful it was for them to bend to my will and give in to my demands and admit that they lied about me. That's got to be very painful. Like to have to do something that I... Say, that would be as painful for them as it would be for me if I had to do something to the Daily Coast. Can you imagine if the Daily Coast demanded I, that I do something, that I say something, and then I said it? Like I'd i would, ra- I would I'd rather be dead than that. I, 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 I would choose death over that. That's how disgusting that thought is to me. Um, and uh, and yet they... they uh, for, for them, they didn't choose death before dishonor. They took the dishonor and they just uh, went ahead and published that, which is great. Now true, they don't apologize to me directly. I could I could also still sue them. In fact, they admit guilt in their retraction. That's the great part. They could have tried the claim. Keep in mind, they could have tried the claim that the headline was, uh, you know, worded confusingly and it was it was being misinterpreted or something. That would be total nonsense, of course, but they could have claimed that. And obviously, they have no compunction about lying. So they, so they, they already lied in the headline. They could lie again to try to get out of this uh, pickle they put themselves in. But they don't. Instead, they admit that they misattributed the quote to me. See, I think their their defenders on the left, when before they took the article down, their defenders were saying that no, oh, they're not even trying to quote you. You're you're lying about what the article is. They're not quoting you. That's not what the intention. Well, they kind of pulled the rug out from underneath their own defenders by saying, yeah, we misattributed the quote to him. That's what we did. Leaving the door wide open for me to sue them anyway. But whatever happens, the fact is they did backtrack, not out of any kind of ethical journalistic standard, okay? So I don't want any of this, well, give them some credit for doing the right thing. (laughs) No, no. They did it because I forced them to. They had no option because they knew that I would get lawyers involved and I would sue them and I would win. And so that's why they did the right thing. All right. Let's see. Let's move to this. Daily Wire is reporting. The National Hockey League took some heat over a Tuesday tweet promoting a transgender and non-binary hockey tournament and a follow-up comment asserting trans women are women, trans men are men, non-binary identity is real. The tournament in question, the Team Trans Draft Tournament, took place over the weekend in Middleton, Wisconsin, and included only trans and non-binary players. On Tuesday, the NHL's official Twitter account shared several photos from the tournament, along with a statement uh, showing support for the event. It said, the NHL is is proud to support this past weekend's Team Trans Draft Tournament in Middleton, Wisconsin. This was the first tournament uh, comprised entirely of transgender and non-binary players, with around 80 folks participating. And then that's when they responded uh to someone else saying that uh, trans women are women, trans men are men, non-binary identity is real. What we have to understand is that every institution and organization at this point is basically run by blue-haired liberal women and gay liberal men. Like that's every organization in America is either run by such or is or is operates as though it is. Okay, which is how you get the NHL tweeting something. That it sounds like it's you know you 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 imagine a, a blue-haired 22-year-old gender studies major saying that, and this is what you're getting from the NHL, which used to be I've never been a hockey fan, but I've always respected hockey at least as a as a kind of rough and tumble masculine sport. And even there, tweeting this stuff, trying to appeal to an audience that will never be their customer base, like the people who. Want to hear that kind of thing? Trans women are women. Non-binary identities are real. Like the the, the, the uh, demographic of people who find that sort of thing appealing, this is a demographic that is not watching hockey, okay? And that's not even to say that nobody, uh, no liberal identifying person watches hockey. I'm sure there are. But even they, like they, it's not going to be the kind of liberal that needs to hear you say that. So this is just these woke uh, institutions committing, a, it's like, it's suicide. It's self-destruction. You really don't gain anything from it. They're not, they're not going to profit off of this. And this isn't even a case, you know, sometimes you have these, these organizations, corporations, that will go woke um, in response to some sort of controversy. So it would almost be, it would still not be justifiable, but it would almost be a different case if you had, say, I don't know, some NHL player who said something, who who, who dared to say out loud that um, you know women are women and men are men, and then was getting a lot of heat from it from from uh, from the media, and then the NHL responded by saying, "Oh, we don't believe that. We believe that trans women are women." So that would be a case of them trying to dig themselves out of a hole. It would still be, again, unjustifiable and a stupid thing to do. But you understand the motivation anyway. They're just cowardly trying to dig themselves out of this PR hole by um, by pandering to the left. But in this case, it's an unforced error. Like, they could have just not tweeted that. You don't need to—no one needed to see you tweet that. The only thing you can hope to do is alienate the audience you already have. Because, again, you're not going to attract— Whatever audience it finds that kind of statement really appealing, you're not, you're not going to attract them. They're not watching hockey. That's why wokeness, it really does, especially when it comes to these corporations, it reminds me of a lot of, I was thinking of this the other day. You know that uh, there's a certain kind of uh, parasite. It's like a brain parasite. And it's toxoplasma, something or other, that can infest mice. And when, when the mice are infested by this parasite, it, it causes the mice to be suicidal. actually makes them attracted to cats. And so they will run to their own de- death. They will run into the, into the, the mouths of a, of a waiting cat that's going to devour them. Uh, they embrace their own destruction because that's the parasite. Because the parasite really wants to end up inside the cat. And so this is the, the way that it's evolved. It's a really similar thing with with wokeness, I think. It it causes this kind of self-destructive instinct, especially in corporations. They just run to their own destruction in a very similar kind of way. Yes, wokeness is a a brain parasite, maybe the best way to describe it. Speaking of people with brain parasites, Joy Reid attempted to uh, defend drag queen groomer hours by showing a video from one that she attended and it does show you how i mean out of touch is it doesn't even begin to describe it but it does show you how out of, out of touch these people are that she thinks that this she thinks that you'll watch this and then you'll come to the conclusion that oh actually it's great to have combined kids and, and drag queens let's see and i just want to forward, just to go on because i don't think most people have ever seen one i've been to one with kids there with like kids there I want to show you guys what drag queen story hours look like because there was a drag show that was supposed to be at this club uh, when this attack happened. I just want those who don't know what they look like to see what one looks like. This is cut too. Please play this.
1: The hair. So a lot of drag queens have really big, big, big hair. So the hair on the drag queen goes up, up, up. So you can put your hands on your head like this and go up, up, up. So the hair on the drag queen goes up. Up, 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 up. The hair on the dry queen goes up, up, up all through the town. Good job.
0: And, you know, it, it makes me sad, Brandon, that that scares right wing people so much that they would try to ban it or your governor sued people over it. And then people act surprised when there's violence against people who are trans and LGBTQ. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, that's, so she plays that and then she's, oh, you, you have a problem with this? Yeah, we do. That's, yeah, that's exactly what we have a problem with. That's disturbing and weird. And so you've got a drag, you got a man in drag, you have a cross-dressing man who is playing out his cross-dressing fetish, it's what it is. And, um, and so, and he's singing about his fetish to kids, uh, to the tune of the wheels on the bus. And and yeah, are we scared of that? Um, I'm I'm not personally scared of that guy in the dress. Okay, I'm, I'm not. I don't personally fear for my physical safety because of him. I, I feel pretty certain that I could, you know, handle it if uh, if I was ever physically threatened by a drag queen. That's 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 not the issue. It's the kids, and yeah, I'm scared for the kids, for their sake. Um, I'm scared about them being exposed to this kind of propaganda. I'm scared for them because g- someone should be. It is a, it is a scary thought. Yes, it is a—it is actually a scary thought, of children being brought into rooms to be um, indoctrinated by drag queens. And you notice what she doesn't do. Like we talked about yesterday, they continually insist that we defend our position. That it's inappropriate to bring drag queens around children. We can easily do that. Drag, queen, drag is inherently sexual. It is burlesque for gay men. That is what it is. That is what it is historically. That's what it's always been, and so it's not appropriate for kids. So we can explain that. But what they will not do is actually explain why this is good, like why we need to do this. So you've got a you've got a man dressed in drag reading a story and reading a, a song in the t- to the tune of uh, or singing a song to the tune of. The Wheels on the Bus. Why not just sing The Wheels on the Bus? Why can't you do that instead? Answer me that, Joy Reid. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with The Wheels on the Bus? Why can't you just sing that song? Instead of making it about drag queens, why not read, sing about the damn school bus? As many generations of kids before these kids already have. And if you wanna have someone read stories to children, Sounds great to me. I'm all about reading stories to children. It's a very important thing for their development. Is to sit them down for story time and read them stories. I read books to my kids all the time. Story time at the library, very common. I attended story times at libraries when I was a child. But you know who read the books? The, the librarian, or someone like that. And very often it was a woman, like an actual woman, who would come out and read a book, and maybe do a sing along. So. That's the way it was done before why can't you just do that why can't if, if you if you want someone dressed like a woman reading to kids why not an actual woman why not a real one how is it improved by swapping out the woman for a guy dressed like one what is the added benefit there what's the value added in your mind? They never explain it, they can't explain it, they know they can't. Because then they would have to say out loud that the reason that they would prefer the drag queen instead of the librarian is that they have an ideological and political agenda that is not advanced by having librarians read innocuous stories and sing songs about school buses to kids. And anytime there are children gathered, they see it as an opportunity because they are groomers, they see it as an opportunity to groom the children and indoctrinate them. They see it's like it's a wasted opportunity as far as they're concerned. The Joy Reads of the world, if you've got kids gathered at the library, it's a wasted opportunity. If you're not um, using it as a chance to, you know, disseminate LGBT propaganda, but they are so lost at this point. They are so lost. Their souls have just been, have been, uh, have rotted away to the point where they, I actually believe that they don't see it. Like, she she admits, oh, she brought a kid to Drag Storyhouse, Story Hour. She, she doesn't even see what the problem is. She does not intuitively see what the problem is with having a man act out his cross-dressing fetish in front of her children. Every person on earth would have intuitively seen that up until recently, but... Um, for, for people on the left, especially those who have been on the left for, you know, have, are older now and have been living this way for so long, their moral intuition, that kind of innate instinct, has it's still there somewhere, somewhere deep inside, but it's buried deep in their subconscious somewhere, and they don't have immediate access to it. And that's what makes conversation between us so difficult. Because they don't have this basic moral intuition. Or at least it's it's so deeply buried. And so that's why a lot of especially a lot of just normal people, you know, even if they don't identify as conservative, just normal people who hear about drag queen story hour and they object to it, and they're trying to talk to the left and they say, well, No, of course we're not. What? Why would you have bring kids in front of a drag queen? It's like it's it's it's, it's almost hard for them to explain because it's so obvious. They never thought that they would have to explain that. All right. What else do we got here? Let's uh, lighten the mood a little bit. At least this lightens the mood for us. Uh, this is from Yahoo. It says, a mom says that her trip to Universal Studios was ruined when she couldn't go on any rides because they weren't size inclusive. And uh, they were trying out the test seats in front of crowds of people with no privacy which felt like an embarrassing spectacle. So this is uh, one of the latest viral videos on TikTok. And, anyway, instead of reading about it, we'll hear her tell the story of uh, going to, she was victimized. She says that that, uh, Universal Studios is not size inclusive because of this experience that she had. Let's listen. Hi, TikTok. I'm
2: gonna tell you a story about how this woman is too fat to fit on any roller coasters at Universal Studios. Please know that I am under no illusion that I am thin. I'm not. I have an hourglass body. I have giant boobs. My ass and thighs are enormous. But what I am teaching my children and what I am teaching the team of people that I work with is that a body like this is capable of climbing mountains and of doing good things and even capable of having pretty solid blood work, which we would consider healthy, right? So please know there is no fever dream that exists where I think that I'm thin or that I couldn't possibly stand to lose some weight. Don't come for me in the comments. I already know. What I don't like is taking my daughter on a girl's trip for her 13th birthday um, and not being able to spend time with her. She had to ride all of these roller coasters alone because I was too fat to fit into any of them. I had to sit in the test seat um, where ahead of me a very large man had been able to make it click. Um, so I sat in the test seat for the VelociCoaster, and it wouldn't click because of my hips, my thighs, and my butt. Um, I was very disappointed. I love roller coasters, and I have spent so much tra- time trying to get this child to love herself and her body and understand
0: that. Um, All right, pause there for a second. First of all, where do you get off body shaming that man, a very large man? Is that, it's body shaming, first of all, to say that. And second, everything we've heard so far, right? It's like you have to wait till you get to the conclusion where this is all leading, like the point that she's trying to make. Because what you've heard so far, if this was it, I, I would feel sympathy. It's like when you hear um, a uh, an obese person on a plane and the embarrassment of having to ask for a seatbelt extender or, you know, walking onto the plane and knowing that everybody's looking and thinking like, oh, I hope that person isn't sitting next to me. That's that if you are the person who's the target of of that, uh, that is very difficult. And I could have a lot of sympathy for you for that, Uh, you know, taking your kid to an amusement park and you can't fit on any of the rides. It's humiliating. It's depressing. It's disappointing. You can't ride with your child. So all of that, right, I sympathize. If what you're leading up to is you saying that, well, this is really difficult, this is a really terrible thing, and so it's it's made me realize that I need to lose weight. Okay, if that's where all this is leading, I, I, would, I would sympathize with what you went through, and I would have a lot of respect for the fact that you've you know, you've confronted this situation. You've realized that you need to take the bull by the horns here and take control of your life, take control of your diet, and all that. And I—that's I, 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 all we would say about it. And you do hear this, uh, these kinds of stories sometimes from people who are overweight, overweight, and especially people that were, you know, very overweight, uh, very unhealthy, and then they they had a dramatic turnaround. And if you talk to anybody like that, um, they they almost always have a story like this, like a, a moment of. You know, this kind of epiphany, not that they didn't know that they were overweight before, but just a moment where they're like, this is it, I can't do this anymore. Um, and those stories, again, they're they're sad, but but they also be inspirational if they lead to a to a, a turnaround. That's not where she's going, though, and that's the problem. So let's keep watching a little bit of this.
2: Everyone's body is capable of doing the things that they want to do. And this was extremely disappointing and very humiliating. The next one that we tried was Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure. I couldn't fit into either seat um, because they wouldn't lock over my thighs. At that point I was so humiliated that I didn't even try to sit in the test seats for Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. I've ridden this ride before. Did I want to ride it with her? Of course but I did not want to be humiliated in front of hundreds of people sitting in the test seat again. I just, I couldn't do it. So we walked over to the Incredible Hulk coaster, which is one of my favorite roller coasters ever. I've ridden it hundreds of times because I used to work at Universal. I didn't realize how small the seats are. And so I sat in the test seat there um, and I was like sitting on top of the seat. So I tried the modified seat and even that made my hips hurt so bad. Um, by the time we got through the line, I had decided not to ride because it was very uncomfortable. I've recently been at Six Flags and at Disney, and I've had no problem with the coasters there. I'm so disappointed in Universal. And
0: Okay, there it is. I was waiting for that. Good. Well, that's. I think we heard. Where is this all leading? It's like the whole, the whole sob story. And uh, and then where is it going? Uh, is it is it leading to? Oh my gosh! I've realized I can't even fit on roller coaster rides with my child. It's getting. In, it's this is this is not only bad for my health, but it's getting in the way of of uh, my life, and it's interfering with opportunities to bond with my child. I gotta take control. I am starting a diet. I'm gonna start exercising. Is it leading there? No. Instead, it's leading leading to. I'm so disappointed in Universal. So rather than. This is from her perspective. Rather than me making a change and going on a diet, I want Universal Studios to redesign all of their rides so that I can fit on them, right? There's a problem here, which is I can't fit on the rides. There are two possible solutions. One is that I go on a diet, and the other is that this theme park completely rearrange everything to accommodate me. And of course, she goes with the latter option, which involves her doing nothing and everyone else accommodating her. And But in the meantime, anyway, like even if you're so unreasonable, narcissistic as to expect that to happen, what do you expect them to do in the moment? Do you want them to, if you don't fit on the ride, do you want them to put you on the ride anyway? There was just a case, I think it was last uh, summer, I forget where it was, but there was a, a tragic case of a young man, I think it was a, a kid actually, a teenager, who fell off of a ride and was killed. And the reason that he fell off is because he was too big, for the ride now. In his case, it wasn't just like he was a big person. He was very, very tall, like a you know, kind of a football lineman sort of size. And they put him on the on the ride, even though he didn't fit. And he fell off and he was killed. So that's why they have the size restrictions. It's for your own sake. If they put you on anyway, you could die, and that's going to be terrible for you and your family. And also from the company's perspective, self-servingly, uh, they get sued into oblivion. And so that's why they're not going to do that. So what do you expect in the moment? what do you want them to do for you? It's just the, the rides are designed how they're designed. Do you want them to put your physical safety below? As a, Do you want them to, to have less concern for your physical safety than for your emotional well-being? Do You want them to prioritize your emotional well-being over your physical safety and then say, well, if it makes you feel better, go ahead and ride. And if you fall off and are killed, That's the answer. Yes, she actually wants that. She wants her emotional well-being to be prioritized over her physical uh, safety. But it's everyone else that needs to prioritize her emotional well-being. Not herself. Because there are things she could do for her emotional well-being. Going on a diet will also help her emotional well-being. But she's not going to do that. She wants everybody else to accommodate. Okay. Let's get to the comment section.
1: Who makes a Twitter mob fly off the handle with rage? Who's to blame? It's a sweet
0: baby game do you have a coffee lover on your holiday shopping list? Black Rifle has all the best brewing gear, thermoses, mugs, and apparel designed for folks who love country and coffee. Black Rifle sources the most exotic roasts from around the globe. All coffee is roasted here in the U.S. by veteran-led teams of coffee experts. So stuff your Christmas stockings with the latest roast from America's coffee for 10% off with my code Walsh. Better yet, you can sign your secret Santa up for a coffee club subscription. And imagine the joy of a pre-scheduled coffee delivery favorite roasts when you need them most. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Black Rifle Coffee company is veteran founded and operated. They take pride in serving coffee and culture to people who love America. Every purchase you make with Black Rifle helps support veterans and first responder causes. So all you got to do is go to blackrifle.com, use promo code Walsh for 10% off coffee, coffee gear, apparel, or when you sign up for a new coffee club subscription, that's blackriflecoffee.com with promo code Walsh for 10% off. Black Rifle Coffee, supporting veterans and America's coffee. Mark says, "Aren't all crimes hate crimes?" Well, uh, no, not, not all crimes. I get the point you're trying to make, but uh, not not every crime is necessarily a hate crime. You know, there are crimes motivated by uh, by greed, crimes motivated you know, by the crimes of passion, and so on. So, the crimes motivated by lots of things, but. You're correct. That hatred. This this is the, this is the absurdity of the whole hate crime idea. Is that um, certainly with murder? You know, it's, it stands to reason that hatred is involved in most crime, most murder. Like most murder involves hatred. You're killing someone, so it's pretty obvious that you don't feel good about them. You don't like them. So whoever you're killing, it's, it's like, it stands to reason you probably hate them. So there's hatred involved in almost all murder. And we end up with this ridiculous situation where we're asking ourselves, well, uh, you know, the the, the the mass shooting at the gay club, was this a hate crime or not? Of course it was a hate crime, no matter, matter why he did it, like whether whether he was a non-binary gay, whatever himself, or if he was a right wing. but Obviously he had hate in his heart for the people that he was killing, no matter what. And what we're told is that as long as he didn't hate them for being gay, then it's not as bad as if he did. Why is that the case? What if he just, what if he hated them on a personal level? What if he, I'm not saying I know this to be the case, but what if he knew them personally, the people that he targeted, right? Let's just say, you know, for, for the sake of argument, and he hated them personally because he was envious or jealous or whatever it was. He's carrying his own resentment. Is that not as bad as hating them for their sexual orientation? I would say that it's At least as bad. And splitting hairs here is ridiculous. So with the hate crime thing, what we end up with is when there's a murder, not only is has the court system put themselves in the position of peering inside someone's heart to determine whether they had hate in their heart while they did it, which, by the way, how could you possibly even prove that? But also then, then, once they've done that, now they're determining which kinds of hatred are worse than others. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. And it also, you know what else it, it assumes that hatred is the worst kind of like crimes motivated by hatred are the worst kinds of crimes of all. And I don't even think that's true. Because you know the other thing that could have motivated this this scumbag? Yeah, maybe he was enraged, hateful, very, very likely. Whatever the hate, whatever the, was the reason for the hatred, it's very likely. But then you also hear about mass shootings. And and you hear from the from the ey- the witnesses the victims that survived. And they 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 talk about what it was like when they were there, and and, they, and oftentimes they describe a mass shooter who's just sort of casually walking around shooting people, almost like he looks almost bored while he's doing it, dead in the eyes, nothing there, totally vacant. So you do have mass shootings where someone's screaming and like spittle flecked rage, okay, and that's. And they're fueled by hatred. Whatever's behind the hatred, they're fueled by hatred. There's a lot of mass shootings where it seems that it's more that they're motivated by total indifference to human life. They can't even care about life enough to hate people. They can't even get to that level. Totally indifferent. These are absolutely empty people who, because they don't care about human life at all, they're just killing people like it's a video game. And why are they doing it? Who knows? For for entertainment, because you know, for for uh, to feel like some kind of power over people, to feel, whatever the psychological thing is behind it. It's actually indifference that drives it. And I would argue that people who are totally indifferent to human life are actually even more dangerous than people who are motivated by hatred. But both are really, really bad. And as far as I'm concerned, the penalty should be the same for both. And the penalty should be the ultimate penalty, which which is death. All right, uh, BLK Hemi says child beauty pageants should be added into this discussion. What about drag drag uh, shows? Well, sure. And you know, this is always brought up whenever we talk about the uh, child drag shows and people say, what about child beauty pageants? Yeah, the, the only reason we don't talk about those is that uh, number one, thank God, they're not they don't seem to be nearly as common these days. And that's because number two, almost everyone now agrees, thank God, that child beauty pageants are creepy and weird and, and uh, you know, there was a time when they were popular and they had there were uh, reality shows about them but those days are over now and like everyone agrees right and left it's 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 be very hard to find a defender of child beauty pageants everyone agrees that it's just creepy and weird and we shouldn't be parading little girls around on stage for that purpose so we're in agreement there which is good the problem though is that people on the left who will say that child beauty pageants are creepy and weird will make an exception for child drag shows. And so what they're saying is that if you dress a little girl up all girly and you parade around on stage, that's creepy. But if you dress a little boy up in a girly way and, and parade him around on stage at a gay club when people are throwing dollars at him, that's not creepy. So when it comes to the to the child beauty pageant thing, the, the contradiction in hypocrisy, as always, is completely on the left. Uh, Alex says, a few years ago, before I left the left, I frequently attended drag shows. What really changed my mind about them is when I witnessed a child putting money in a drag queen's bra while the mother cheered this on. It was disgusting, and it's one of the events that caused me to shift politically. Well, at least you had your eyes open, and you were willing to deal with what you were actually seeing and think critically about it. So you, you deserve some credit for that. You have a child putting a dollar bill into a drag queen's bra, and we're told that it's totally appropriate and is nothing sexual about it. Oh, you know those those uh, you know all those completely non-sexual contexts in which you would stuff money into someone's underwear. You know, happens all the time in a non-sexual way. And then Lynette says, "I would have thought that Matt, of all people, would understand the joy of getting heated over some inconsequential niche interest." Fair enough. Fair enough. I was getting on, uh, you know, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharpe's case yesterday for screaming at each other over a football game and whether a quarterback played well or not, and uh, there was more than one person who pointed out that, you know, I can tend to get heated and about things that would seem to be rather inconsequential, so maybe I should be more understanding. Maybe you're right, but actually, but but then again, you're not, and you're actually banned from the show because the things that I talk about are not inconsequential at all. What, give me an example. Give me an example on that, of an inconsequential thing that I have gotten passionate about, you know, or angry about on this show. You can't do it. What, are you gonna say shopping carts? Well, that's not inconsequential at all. As we have discussed many times, someone's putting an emoji up on the screen. Emojis again. This So, uh, uh, emojis, shopping carts, we're dealing with stuff that that, that is, that's a, a harbinger of total civilizational collapse. So inconsequential? I don't think so. The new Daily Wire Plus store is live, and it is your one-stop shop for everything worth giving. Because the fact is, nobody wants a copy of White Fragility. That's not what they want. They just want something from DailyWire.com/shop, and they can pick up uh, so many things. they like a special deal on Johnny the Walrus. A book every kid should read and every adult should read too. Grab one of my limited edition Sweet Baby album T-shirts, or for the truly committed, you know who you are, and you ought to be one of them. You should be. You better be. Pick up my Matt Walsh Super Fan Bundle. Shipping is free on orders over seventy-five dollars, and with orders over a hundred dollars, you get a free Leftist Tears tumbler. Skip cyber woke this uh, holiday and pick up gifts made exclusively from Truth. So go to DailyWire.com/shop today. Also. The holidays are upon us, and right now, there's never been a better time to become a member of Daily Wire+. Plus. You can watch What is a Woman? and everything else we have for less starting this Friday because we've got a fantastic Black Friday deal for you. Starting this Friday, you can get 50% off new Daily Wire Plus memberships and gift memberships 2022 was an amazing year. Not only did I become a best-selling LGBTQ plus author with Johnny the Walrus and make a documentary that exposed the transgender agenda, become a women's studies scholar and so many other things, but we also took the fight to the street, so to speak. And uh, we took some ground with the rally to end child mutilation. We released Candace Owens' documentary, The Greatest Lie Ever Sold. And as if all that wasn't enough, we signed Jordan Peterson, who has released a ton of exclusive content already. And this Friday, you'll be able to watch the first two episodes of Exodus, his brand new 16-part biblical series, as well as Logos and Literacy and Genesis, all of that. Uh, and it also has a brand new introduction as well. A lot of great content from Jordan Peterson. That's uh, a lot for a year, but I promise you it's only just beginning. We're building the future you want to see, and we'll continue to do that in 2023. So this Friday, head to dailywire.com slash subscribe to get 50% off your new Daily Wire Plus membership, and come join us now. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. <laughs> Before we head into the Thanksgiving holiday, I must discuss something that happened last week. Actually, it's two things. Both occurred during the Q&A portion of my speech at Berkeley on Thursday night. There are two people who uh, must be considered candidates for cancellation as a result of the Q&A. And since we've run out of time in the week, we have to cover them both in today's daily cancellation and decide who's the one who should get canceled. So first... We start with a man named Jacob, who, to his credit, actually uh, had the guts to confront me on on camera during the Q&A. Over the course of our What is a Woman college tour, stopping at six or seven different schools, there were only two or three leftists in the, the whole time who dared to debate me in person, and most of the rest stood outside screaming, holding signs, eating the Bible, in at least one case anyway. Jacob was one of the select few. Though, unfortunately, he squandered the opportunity by retreating and taking cover behind a desperate appeal to authority, as they so often do. Here's how that conversation began. Why in your
1: movies and your discussions do you selectively ignore and misrepresent the recent burgeoning medical and behavioral literature that demonstrates uh, that uh, gender affirming care and and similar medical interventions demonstrate consistent improvements to mental health suicidality and general well-being
0: which study are those
1: there are probably like 30 studies by this point all produced in the last like 10 years or so anybody can look them up on
0: okay well just here's 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 the problem here's the problem i'm not impressed by just you saying a study no okay because studies fine well there could be 100 studies there could be a thousand studies great yeah and i actually i have read them have you yes i have okay so here's I'll give you one example. I don't know if you can give me any examples, but I'll give you one example of a recent study that, that uh and this was just in the headlines, it said that uh it proved that um double mastectomies for minor girls improves their well-being. And this was a study, and it was proven, peer-reviewed. And then you read what they how they actually conducted this study, and you find out that they that they interviewed a very small selection of girls in one region of the country, all from the same socioeconomic background and they did their follow-up, I think it was three months later, and based on a follow-up, a few months later, they've determined that, oh yeah, it, it, uh, it uh, improves well-being. But you see the problem here? No, I don't want, I don't. There are many, but
1: there are, this is the exception to the rule. Many of the I don't studies use, uh, observa- use observational data um, uh, with various follow-up from like six months to five years to 10 years, and they don't demonstrate what you claim
0: well, I just, you, you can say the word study, but what I'm saying is when look you look
1: them up. Okay, great, like, great. You can Google them.
0: So he does a, he's, he's done a good bit of, of Googling, he says. Um, and uh, the only problem is that, as is usually the case, when they start babbling on about studies, he cannot give any specific examples, which means that he cannot defend the methodology used in these studies. All he knows is that the studies were done, and that he doesn't know exactly what they say. He knows that whatever they say, they vindicate whatever he already thought before he read the studies, though he actually didn't read them to begin with. So to review, he brought up studies, but I'm the only one in the conversation who could speak with any specificity about any of the studies that he brought up. So the conversation continued until... Um, I got to what I think is uh, the most important point here. Let's listen. How do you think they would have large-scale, long-term studies about the effects of these drugs and these surgeries on children when we only started doing it to children at a large scale a few years ago? So how could that even exist?
1: Yeah, I think scale is probably one of the more challenges of these studies. Okay, so
0: we're already hearing that there are challenges in these yeah, studies. Yeah, every
1: study has challenges. Like, any scientific truth, like, all of the scientific truth that we take for granted today, they're built on methodologies that fundamentally have flaws. Like, if you want to make a specific critique, you can do that. If you're talking about... I just sam- did. Well, if you're talking about sample size, they're very... Well demonstrated statistical results that you don't need 10,000 people to get like a significant, a statistically significant. Value. Here, yes, no, you do. You here's here's no, absolutely not. It's like a very basic statistical Jacob. fact. Here's you know, you, Jacob. Here's like a Sample size greater than a thousand that can uh, like that has very nice asymptotic properties. Like
0: Jacob, here's here's yeah. what I know. If you want to even begin to claim that a study has proven that castrating and sterilizing little boys helps them in the long run then you would need to have a large sample size of children who've gone through these procedures and we've checked back with them in adulthood to see how they're doing. Those studies do not exist. They can't exist because we weren't doing this to kids at anywhere near this scale even five years ago, let let alone ten years ago. What that tells us, Jacob, is that the, the kids we have right now, they are the sample. Okay. They are the experiments. We are, we are experimenting on children right now. So, right. Why aren't there any reliable studies? Because the study is happening right now today. And the sample size is an entire generation of kids. Um, Jacob and I continued for another several minutes, of course, uh, as I point out to him later in the discussion, the whole focus on studies is a distraction. We don't need permission from a study to arrive at certain common sense conclusions. One of those conclusions is that it is wrong to perform cosmetic surgery on the sex organs of children. And it's wrong to give them medically unnecessary drugs that will permanently hamper and destroy their physical development. So we can talk about the studies, and um, I can point out, as I did, that the methodologies are flawed beyond repair. But the truth is that there is no study that would ever convince me that we should castrate a child, okay? Like when someone asks me, should we castrate children? I I don't say, well, let me check to see what the studies say. I, I just, I can say no to that. The same way that if you ask me, should we shoot a child in the head, I would say no. And if you do, you should be shot in the head. I don't need to check the studies for that either. Directly and intentionally harming children in these barbaric ways is wrong. So he could produce a study with a sample size of 50,000, which includes follow-ups over the course of 30 years. I mean, he can't because again, that study doesn't exist, but even if it did, it would not move me even one inch towards accepting or supporting the physical mutilation of children. I don't check with academics before deciding whether I oppose child abuse. I just oppose it, and I always will, and nothing can ever change that, as I tried to explain to Jacob. Eventually, he just walked away from the the microphone when he had enough, I guess. So does Jacob deserve to be canceled? Perhaps. But unfortunately, someone else stepped forward later on in the Q&A who is even more deserving of the cancellation. And that person is me. Uh, the time has come for the canceller to be canceled. I have been slain by my own cancellation sword because of this.
1: So I just saw people shouting and like a bunch of barricades. So I thought it was fun to come here. I didn't really know who you were. So before it started, I googled you on Wikipedia. And I scrolled down to the controversy section, and it said you said anime was satanic. So I was one. Wonder- uh, I was wondering if I bought your book, would you watch a season of any anime with me? I'll get you a jacket.
0: With you? Huh? Well, I have to watch an anime with you. You're saying? Yeah. Or just like live. How's that gonna work? Um- Zoom. Like, okay, I hate Zoom meetings and I hate anime. Now you want me to combine the two?
1: Okay, okay. And
0: what am I getting out of this? I buy your book. One can, book? Can you got to buy a lot more books. First. You got to buy about uh, about a hundred books to make that worth it.
1: So if we started to GoFundMe to buy a hundred books, you would live stream you watching a season of anime.
0: Yes. <laughs> okay. All right, don't. All right. I am indeed the stupidest man on earth and the worst deal maker in history. Donald Trump would be ashamed. Why did I agree to that? To an entire season of anime? An entire season? Not just one episode, a season. And instead of asking for like a thousand books or 10,000, I agreed to this torture for a measly 100 books. That, That was by far the worst negotiation I've ever witnessed. I watch it and think, who is this moron? And then I realize that The moron is me, and I'm filled not only with dread, but also shame. I can only say it's a good thing that I use a real estate agent instead of making real estate deals on my own. I'm apparently the kind of guy who would sell my house for like 50 bucks and a Wendy's gift card. Only this is much worse because, as I've already established, anime is satanic, so watching an entire season of it certainly means that I will become demonically possessed. So I have sold my soul here. I've sold it for a few books. I could have just done a, a like a hit on Tucker Carlson, you know, and sold more books than that. Hundred books? What? What was I thinking? I, I was not thinking at all, apparently. Or, or my thinking was impaired. I was at Berkeley after all. Maybe I was high from all the secondhand weed smoke in the air. Maybe just two days in San Francisco was enough to cause mental illness. I don't know how to explain it. Now, the good news is that technically. I never said when I would watch the anime. Those details were never specified. I could schedule the live stream session for like sometime in the year 2035, and I would be—I would not be violating the terms of the deal if I did that. But the bad news is that apparently this guy did already start the GoFundMe and, and has raised, almost immediately raised $2,000 to buy the books. So I, I had, to, the, the reason I'm, you might be asking like, why am I bringing this up now? Well, I, I held off on playing this clip. In fact, I wasn't gonna play it at all at all, because I was hoping that if I didn't promote it or talk about it, he wouldn't be able to raise the funds because how is he going to do that? But um, this has taken on a life of its own and I am now being swept along helplessly by the current. And my destination is an entire season of anime. And then as a result, the loss of my eternal soul. I am a condemned man. Condemned by my own suicidal negotiation tactics. So all I can do now is call on the Sweet Baby Gang, in this time of Thanksgiving, to come to my aid and and tell me which anime has the shortest episodes and shortest seasons. Ideally, I'm talking about like I want an, an anime that has three-minute episodes and three episodes per season, if such anime exists. And if it doesn't exist, I need one of you to make one. Okay, I need this is this this is the situation we're in. Right, I'm calling in a favor. I am mobilizing, sweet baby gang. I need you to make an anime and put it on YouTube, season one of whatever thing, anime, and and I'll, and I'll watch it. Only you can save me now. I certainly cannot save myself, because the day has finally arrived when I must say that I am canceled. And that'll do it for this portion of the show, as we move over to the members block. Hope to see you there, if not. Talk to you uh, on Monday. Have a great Thanksgiving. Godspeed.